I don't know what you've heard, and I don't know what you've read, and I'm not sure exactly what you believe, but, but I am here to tell you there is a pandemic in our world today. And it affects more than 40 million Americans alone. That's roughly 18% of our population. This pandemic is costing us billions of dollars in hospital stays and medication. There are untold millions of dollars worth of sick, sick days and loss of work. And there is no vaccination for this pandemic. There is no vaccine. And there are treatments. And while there are treatments, only about 36 percent of the people who are affected by this pandemic actively seek treatment. This pandemic is not COVID-19. It is not the seasonal flu. This pandemic is anxiety. The statistics on anxiety are overwhelming. If I read you all the statistics on anxiety, it would probably give you more anxiety. General anxiety disorder affects 6.8 million Americans. Panic attacks, 6 million Americans. Social anxiety, 15 million adults, but it begins when you're about 13 years old. And then there is just plain stress. There is post-traumatic stress. There is major depression. And these anxieties, they're all different. Some of them are linked to brain chemistry and, and alterations in brain chemistry. Some of them are linked to trauma, to, to, to genetics, to life events. But in, and in nearly every category of anxiety there is, twice as many women as men are affected. But men are, are less likely to talk about it, even to their friends. They're less likely to seek treatment. They're less likely to reach out for help. And then some well-meaning preacher comes along. And he says, well, you know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, tells us, do not be anxious. Your anxiety is a sin. If you are anxious, you are sinning. And you think, well, great. Because I already feel miserable. I already can't sleep. I'm already having a, a, this horrible time. And now I'm going to hell too. That's perfect. And in the meantime, that that heaviness inside you it just gets heavier and it weighs you down and you spend those sleepless nights wondering what's wrong with me why does this keep happening to me and then you start asking the question where is God in all of this why isn't God helping me why am I all alone with these feelings if you've been there you've known nights like that and if somehow you've never experienced anxiety I'd love to know how you do it if you've never had a night like that, I would love to know your answer. The Apostle Paul, in Philippians, confesses his own anxiety. David, in Psalm 61, David says that his heart is overwhelmed. And then there's Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30, 38, my soul is very sorrowful even unto death. Anxiety or worry, whatever you want to call it, it is a universal experience and yet those who suffer continue to suffer alone. They feel alone. And that's one of the reasons I love coming to the Bible. Because as we read the encouragement that we find in, in these pages, we read encouragement, we also read struggles, and, and read of the struggles of those that wrote, and we are, we're suddenly aware that we are not alone. When we come to the Bible, we understand we are not alone. 
We read words from people who lived centuries ago and yet struggled with the same struggles that we have. You're not alone in your anxiety. You're not alone in your worry. You're not the only one who has felt that. And you know, we don't have to go too far into Proverbs before we find some very sound advice on anxiety. And we find one of the greatest gifts that we have to combat anxiety, one of the greatest gifts we have is each other. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 12 today, verse 25. You can find it on page 536 in those blue Bibles in front of you. If you have a phone with you that has the Bible app on it, you can find our event. If you search for Kansas Christian Church, search for our, for, search for our, uh, our zip code, 61933. Even those of you who are watching online, you can find this on there. We're going to be in a few other verses, and some of the other verses are in that event if you want to follow along there. But when Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, that's where we read, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. You hear the heaviness in that first clause, right? Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Wow, you, you felt that before. It weighs you down. It, you feel the heaviness. You feel the weight of that anxiety. Some of your Bibles say it's anxiety. Some of your Bibles translate it worry. It's a word that's used several times back there in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 23, Jeremiah uses the same word, but there it says, they have heard bad news and they melt with fear. And fear is the same word as anxiety. But if you read that, you realize the source there is external. They have heard bad news. There's a reason for their fear. There's a reason for their anxiety. But here in Proverbs 12, verse 25, it's, it's all internal. It's a feeling. Whether the threat is real or not, the feeling is still there. Did you know that your body... Your body doesn't know the difference between an actual physical threat and anxiety. An actual physical threat. Let's say that a tiger gets loose in Kansas, Illinois, or wherever you might be. A tiger gets loose and it is chasing you down. That is an actual physical threat. The tiger is going to catch you. The tiger is going to eat you. Your body does not know the difference between an actual physical threat and anxiety. It still produces the same reaction. The same chemicals are, are produced. The same chemicals are dumped into your bloodstream and into your brain at that moment. You get that fight or flight instinct is triggered. And so all those chemicals are dumping into your bloodstream, but the difference is there is no physical threat. And so instead of the cardio that you're going to get as you're trying to outrun a tiger, by the way, you're not going to make it, Okay? Just give it up, or the tiger's going to eat you. But instead of that cardio that you would get, all those chemicals just sit there in your heart. And they ruin your heart, they ruin your health. Did you hear what the proverb said? Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Yeah, that's a lot of weight on your heart. That's a lot of stress on your heart. There's another proverb, Proverb 18, verse 14, that says, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Let me read that again. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, 
Who can bear? I'll tell you, when our family came down with COVID-19, we were sick. Trish will tell you, it's the sickest she's ever been. I was worried about her, taking her blood oxygen level every day and watching that it just wasn't coming back. We were really concerned about each other. And, and, and the sickness was awful. We were running fevers. We weren't feeling well. We couldn't breathe right. And things were, things were bad there. But I'll tell you what got me, what got me was the anxiety. Because I had 10 days all to myself with these other sick people, 10 days to wonder and worry, is it going to get worse? Are we going to get worse? How is Connor going to handle this? Because that was my big concern. He can't tell us what he's feeling. And then I started to worry. We, we were around people. We were around some of you. And we, we got sick in the afternoon after church. And we're like, well, did we expose anybody? Were we around anyone? Is anyone else going to get sick? And you know what? A, a few people did that we, got, that we were around. A few other people. Connor's one-on-one aide at school got sick. And, and so I started worrying about all these people. That's what kept me awake at night. That's what kept waking me up. That's what kept me anxious all day long and worrying was the anxiety. And, and I have to tell you, to be honest, I felt entirely alone in those worries. And then the preacher brain kept kicking in, because I have a preacher brain. And the preacher brain kept kicking in and saying, Brett, why are you worried? Why would you worry? Why are you anxious, Brett? You know better. And the preacher brain kept saying, just turn it all over to God. In the midst of anxiety, what does that even mean? Just turn it all over to God. So I'm laying there at 3.30 in the morning, I can't sleep, and I'm thinking, just turn it all over to God. Oh, good. It didn't work. You know, it, 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 the idea of turn it all over to God, it's got to be more than just a, a spiritual exercise. It's got to be more than just a, a mental exercise, because if that's all it is, then what it is in reality is denial. If it's just some trick you're playing on your brain, then it's just denial. During the pandemic, I attended several Zoom meetings with other pastors, and a couple of the Zoom meetings were about the stress and anxiety that we pastors were feeling. A lot of us were feeling that. Because believe it or not, there was no class in seminary on what you do during a pandemic. None of us had ever been through this. We had questions, we had concerns, we had anxiety. How do we do this? How do we do this right? What happens when, when things go back to normal? Are things ever going to go back to normal? And when it gets back to normal, are people even going to want to come back to church? Are there people who just won't be coming back to church? And so we were there for each other. I want to say something, and I'm mainly saying this for our online audience because we have a lot of people that tune in who are parts of other churches, and yet they, they like you all and they like to come and be part of our online audience. Talking to a lot of preachers and pastors and ministers, there's a lot of them that don't feel safe in telling their congregation that they struggle with anxiety. There's a lot of preachers that tell, that tell me, if I told my congregation that I'm seeing a, a therapist, that I'm seeing a counselor, they would fire me because they expect me to be perfect. Your preacher's not perfect. Kansas, you know that already. You remember the kid, right? But there's a lot of, seriously, your preacher's not perfect. Check in on him every now and then. 
And these guys have been through the worst year of their life, trust me. It's, it's been very difficult on all of them. So we're in the middle of this Zoom meeting with a wonderful counselor. Mark Searby is there. Mark is an amazing man of God, an amazing counselor, an amazing pastor to pastors. And Mark is talking to us about our anxiety and what it's like. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I'm feeling. And one wise old pastor who's probably been around for generations, probably maybe a long, long time, he, he raised his hand on Zoom, which that's just push, push a button and your hand goes up. And he said, you know, Philippians chapter 4, or Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, uh, but everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he said the words, anxiety is a sin. Made us feel so much better. And the moderator of that Zoom meeting, who is another very wise and godly man, he said, you know, Paul in Philippians 4, 6 encourages us not to be anxious about anything. Yes, he uses some very strong words about anxiety. But two chapters earlier in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is talking about his friend Epaphroditus, who's one of his traveling companions. And Epaphroditus is actually from Philippi. And Epaphroditus got sick. And Paul said, it's best that I send him back to you so that you can take care of him. He said, I'm sending Epaphroditus back to you so that you can take care of him. He was sick. We thought he was going to die. And Paul says, I'm sending him back to you. And in Philippians 2 verse 28, Paul says, I'm sending him to you so that I may be less anxious. Not because anxiety is a sin and I'm sinning and I need to repent and so you need to take care of this problem. But so that I may be less anxious. Those sleepless nights when your heart is weighed down, wouldn't you settle for less anxious? Wouldn't less anxious be nice on those nights? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Turn it over to God you know turn it over to God of course but how does that work how does that work practically how do we put skin on a phrase like turn it over to God how do we put flesh and bone to that how do we make it real how do we make it tangible something that we can see and feel let's go back to the proverb what's the advice here in verse 25 anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down but a good word makes him glad But a good word makes him glad. I like that. I like the NIV's translation on that one actually a little bit better. The NIV says, a kind word makes him glad. I like that because you and I are not always good judges of what's good. Some of you people think that Brussels sprouts are good. And some of you don't. Some of us like liver and onions, and others of us don't. Some of us go out for sushi, and other people are like, ooh, I'm not doing that. So we don't agree on what's good, do we, Ruth? But you know what kindness is. We all know kindness. You know what kindness is when you're shown kindness. You've you've shown kindness to others. You know how to be kind. You recognize kindness. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Peter writes, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you. He may lift you up. Casting all your anxieties on Him. Because he cares for you. Casting your anxieties on him. And again, we wonder, what does that even look like? How do we do that? But you know, if you think about it, 
if you read 1 Peter, 1 Peter is all about the church. In fact, it's all about the church being in exile. In other words, the church is all alone. All you've got is each other. You've got to support each other. You've got to take care of each other. You've got to be there for one another no matter what you're going through. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Peter says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. What if, what if that's what casting your anxieties on God look like? What if that's what it looks like to cast your anxieties on Him? Like, what if it looks like kind words? What if it looks like good words? What if it looks like you and me offering each other friendship, love, and kindness? Even if you read Philippians 4, it talks about by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. In the Bible, prayer is never something you just do alone. It's something you do with each other. That You're sharing these needs. You're sharing these concerns. What if it looks like you and me offering each other friendship and, and kindness? What if that is our defense against anxiety? The first defense, the first defense against worry is kindness. And I want you to hear that very carefully, the first defense. In other words, that's where we all start. That's where we all need to start. We need to start together. There are times when anxiety is not just about being worried about a particular problem. There are times when medical treatment is needed for anxiety. And nurses, you should always talk to your doctor about anxiety, right? Because it is affecting your heart. It is weighing you down. You should always talk to your doctor if you've had a period of anxiety and discuss that. But we need to be willing to be each other's first defense against worry. First defense against anxiety. There are kind words that we can say to one another that will make us less anxious. We can love one another. We can help cast our cares, our anxieties on Him. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Peter says we should do that earnestly. And we bear one another's burdens. But you know, you can't always see someone else's burdens. You can't always carry that burden for them. That doesn't mean it's not weighing down their hearts, though. And sometimes it's not something you can carry but maybe you can make them less anxious, as Paul says. And a kind word can do that. Another proverb, Proverbs 16, verse 24, says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And I want to mention, sometimes it's not about other people being kind to us. Sometimes we need to be kind to ourselves. We can say some of the most unkind things to ourselves and we say them inside we say them in our heads and we repeat them over and over again uh, they become the soundtrack of what we believe about ourselves we can say to ourselves you're no good you're not getting better this isn't working out this is you're just an awful person a few months ago trish finally asked me why is there a post-it note on the bathroom mirror and why does it say kindness and she said is that about me Am I not being kind enough? And I said, no, it's about me. Because first thing in the morning when I look at that old man staring back at me, 
I can say some of the most cruel things to that man. And so I need to remember to be kind to him because he might have a rough day ahead of him. I need to say kind things to him. I need a good word from myself because it will make me glad. I remember those 10 days of isolation with COVID. I remember the stress I felt. I remember the anxiety I felt. But I also remember what helped. And what helped were the calls and the cards and the visits and the, the, the text messages and the visits, the socially distant visits on the porch that I had with, with several of you. I remember those visits. I remember one of the first days I was standing inside and I looked out and I saw Denny Bennett. And he's across the street and he's pulling weeds out here in front of the church. Thank you very much for doing that, Denny. And I walked out as far as I could go to the end of the sidewalk. I hung my toes over the edge of the sidewalk. And I said, hey, Denny, how you doing? And Denny shouted back at me and we talked back and forth for a while, probably longer than he wanted to talk. He was down there on his hands and knees. I kept talking to Denny because I wanted to talk to someone and it was just great to get to see someone and hear someone else's voice besides, you know, my family. They're fine. Uh, and then there were the porch visits. And one day Joy showed up because we needed, we couldn't taste anything and somehow we convinced ourselves that we could probably taste cream cheese. And so we were going to make something with cream cheese and I, and I asked Joy if she'd go get us some cream cheese. We still have it. It didn't work, by the way. <laughs> We couldn't, we couldn't taste cream cheese. But I kept Joy out on the porch and we talked for a while. Bob Webb showed up with food from Marietta, thank you. And uh, we stood out there and talked. The Simpsons came, Carol came, and you know all these different people, different times. We're talking through the screen. We're talking back and forth. Charles called me one day. And he said, Brett, is there anything I can go get you? Is there anything I can do for you? And I said, just stay on the phone with me, Charles. Just talk to me. Tell me, tell me what Kansas was like before I was born, Charles. Tell, tell me what you remember. What was it like when they drove the horses? Through, you know. And Charles, that, that, was, that was healing to my body. That was healing to my soul. The worst one was the day the UPS guy showed up because he had no idea what he was in store for. I'm sitting on the porch, UPS guy shows up, and I just kept him talking. He stood down there at the bottom, I stood at the top, and I was talking about anything and everything. We're talking about COVID, and we're talking about this. And I was like, hey, your truck's brown, and uh, your, your uniform's brown, and the package is brown. I bet you like brown stuff. I bet brown's your favorite color. What's your favorite food? Is your favorite food brown? Some of you still have not gotten your packages delivered because I kept him so busy that day just talking to me. But those, those times were health to the body. They lifted the weight. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. They lifted the weight. They made me less anxious. The first defense against worry is kindness. That means that you are someone's first defense against worry, against anxiety. Now, the last thing I want you to do is be anxious about that, okay? Don't get all worried about being someone's first defense against worry. It doesn't need to be complicated. But there's someone out there who needs a kind word from you. They need a call. They need a card. Maybe a text message. So here's your homework for this week. Find one person and offer one kind word. It doesn't need to be brilliant. It doesn't need to be perfect. Just be present. Present is better than perfect. Okay? Present is better than perfect perfect but i want you to feel what you get back when you do that because it's going to lighten your heart 
also. And then maybe you think, well, why if I did this every week? What if I did this more often? What if I was more intentional about this? And by the way, don't be kind, well, no, be kind to me. Don't pick me to be your person this week. Find somebody else. I already know you're kind. I already know you can do it. Show someone else that you can do it. And to help you with that, we've got, we got these little cards I'm going to give you when you leave today. These little cards. They have our scripture on the top. They say, uh, you know, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Proverbs 12, 25. It reminds you to be kind. And then there's a checkbox because I love checkboxes. Every time I check off a box, I check off boxes every week. I love checking off boxes. It means I did something. Take this card, put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on your dashboard if you're spending a lot of windshield time. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day and let it be a reminder to you that someone needs your kind word. You're going to be someone's first defense against anxiety this week. And as much as I love checkboxes, maybe you use a pencil so that you can erase it and do it again next week. You erase it and do it again the next week. If we believe that Jesus bears our burdens, if we believe that we can cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us, then shouldn't we be willing to bear those burdens for each other? Uh, offer a simple, kind word to someone who is weighed down with worry? And it's not just that we can make a difference, but that we can show someone that Jesus cares. We can show them that we care. That there is a caring community. There is a caring church. There is a church that cares for them. And that can bring them the peace that they need. Coming to our communion time, in Isaiah, it tells us about Jesus. And Isaiah says that he was a man of sorrows and one who was familiar with suffering. And that includes anxiety. That includes worry. That includes that heaviness that's on your heart every now and then. And I believe Jesus had some sleepless nights. I believe he had some times when he didn't quite know exactly how to give it to God. In fact, we read about one of those, don't we? when he went again and again in prayer. And so we take communion and we're reminded that we're not alone. In the joys that we share and in the suffering that we have, we're never alone, but there is one who walks with us. And it's not just about what we do here with a little piece of bread and a little cup. It's about what we do here and here and how we share with one another. And we're going to be there for one another. We're going to be our first defense against anxiety. I'm going to Pray. We're going to sing two songs today, two short songs, and then we'll take together. Would you pray with me? Father, we would all confess there have been times when our hearts have been weighed down. There are times when we have felt that heaviness. There have been times when we did not help ourselves or others because we told each other and we told ourselves that this was a sin, that this is sinful. And Father, it's simply a part of the human experience. And it's nothing we should ever feel alone about. And so, Lord, as we commune today at communion, as we come together, it's not just about what we take together, but what we pledge together, that we will be there. We will be Christ for one another. We will lift one another up. We will encourage one another. Lord, we will say those words that, that lighten our hearts and that are healing to our body and healing to our souls. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he knew that kind of suffering. And as we take the bread and the cup today, we ask your blessing over this time as we spend it together with one another and with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.